the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Good day. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Show is kind of, you know, about money and finance and insurance and investing and things that you need to do better, things that you've done okay, but times have changed a little bit. So on occasion, I cross over into inappropriate areas, (laughs) I hope. I like to try to keep things as simple as possible for you. Like if I were to try to talk to you about stocks, there's some ideas of really simple. When you when you buy shares of a company, you become a shareholder, and they give you a certificate that says you're a piece of the ownership circle. It's kind of that simple. Now, it does get complicated when you start going like, why doesn't the stock always go up? Why doesn't the stock uh, always make me money? Why can't my stock be like Facebook or like Apple? The world's most expensive stock that I can find right now is probably Berkshire Hathaway at $200,000 a share. It doesn't matter how expensive your share is. A lot of people make really big mistakes, and I would refer to them as not rookies, but um, simpleton mistakes where if you'll come up to me at a seminar and go, tell me, I'd like a $3 stock. Do you have any 3 4 or $5 stocks? So... I'm like, why? And I'll say something insane like, well, it has a bigger chance of being a home run for me. And there's no difference between a $300,000 stock and a $3 stock. Clearly, if one costs 300000 you want it to go to 600000 over the next 7.2 years. But if one costs $3, you want it to go to six, year, six bucks over the next 7.2 years. Now, I can see how your imagination can ruin that. And going smaller is easier. You know, if you're a... A 10-pound weakling, it's pretty easy to become a 15-pound weakling. But to go from 10,000 pounds to 15, like that, that might be more difficult. I could see how people would think that. But it's the number of shares outstanding. When talking about stocks, there's a simple concept like rule number one, don't lose money. Rule number two, don't forget rule number one. When you start losing money, it upsets you. And you, you say, now is not the time for me to be investing you know, I, the game is getting rigged against me. It's not. You just feel that way. The pros and cons of owning a stock, it's positive. Like, when the company's profitable. I like to write down four or five reasons why I like a stock. Is the company earning money? Is one of them. Is the company sharing that money with me with dividends, where it pays me every 90 days? Just like it pays their CEO every two weeks. Is the stock price generally moving up or down? That's a positive, right? So uh, can they continue to grow their wealth? Once there was a time 
when Coca-Cola was just Coca-Cola. And then they started doing Diet Coke and Dr. Pepper. Well, they didn't do Dr. Pepper, but they started doing all these other alternative beverages. So negatives on a company are sometimes the reasons to sell a stock or almost the exact reasons why you bought the stock, but opposite, right? If the company is struggling to keep their share price moving up, that's a bad sign. If the company's not successful to earn money, the stock can fluctuate, right? So sometimes you could lose money pretty quickly in a stock, and it does feel like a psychological, oh, I can't believe that just happened to me. And it did. So um, that's why you have to try to limit it in the first couple of years. So people like myself will say things that are like, oh, once you have $100,000, you should go buy one individual stock. The amount of people that will actually do that, <clears throat> I understand, are like maybe 10%. People will come up with reasons not to, right? But people will lose their head. They'll, they'll get caught up in the, the whole game of how can I become wealthy? Like the, I see the people on TV or I see, you know, stock traders buy, 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 sell, sell, sell. And you see the, the exaggeration of it all. Let's just be careful. That's a negative on stocks is when you lose money. It, it changes your psychology on 401ks and everything else. One of the toughest parts about money is putting together all the pieces. And I just talked a little bit about the pieces of stocks and what that means to me and maybe ultimately kind of what it means to you. One area that you have to kind of master, and this is probably my least favorite, is the budget. That's that monthly plan, whether it's January or February or March. The gray months, as I like to call them. But mastering it, you know, you, you have to start looking at your budget first and foremost. Step one, what's your salary? Step two, what's your spending? Step three, start writing some of the stuff down. Step four, break the spending into categories. For most people, a budget can be something pretty simple. 50% of your money should go into things that you absolutely essentially need. 20% should go into either your debt or your savings for the future. 30% could go into flexible issues. But keep in mind, I just gave you a pie of 50% essentials, 30% flexible issues, 20% financial tools where you pay off your debt or you invest. And that's not really the truth about your profits, right? Because your earnings get taxed. And you got to make sure you pay the taxes. So this is all after-tax dollars. 50% go into the essential stuff like cars, transportation, food, shelter. 30% goes into flexible issues like eating out, charity donations, shopping. You don't have to do it. Well, I guess you don't have to do any of those, right? So that's a budget. And then inside your budget, you can start looking at things where you go back in time and go, okay, I didn't get enough money put in my financial properties, you know, my debts, my investments. But I did have a Starbucks latte at $3 a day. That's $1,095 a year. Or tap water, 2 or $3 a day, or $1,000 a year. So now the tap water does cost money, but not nearly as much money as a plastic bottled water. 
and I've seen people get really creative with their, you know, their budget by getting water at work, you know, things like that. And I'm not saying water your yard while your neighbor's away. <clears throat> not a bad idea, but that doesn't make for a good neighbor, does it? So, but, uh, yeah, so let's th- talk about budgeting. So that segment, I talked stocks and talked budgeting. I could talk paying for college. I could talk student loans, uh, liquidity. You got to understand all, just a couple concepts on finance and you'll, we'll take you far. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black talking money invested in more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Risk versus reward is probably one of the things some people think they understand, but there's a different type of risk. And if you don't start with that basic premise, there's like, you're missing a lot. Currency risk, headline risk, earnings risk, inflation risk, all of them can affect your investment or your assets, right? It's all well and good if your real estate goes up, but if food goes up and everything else goes up, is that asset that real estate going to be, is that liability of a monthly mortgage payment going to become an asset? Are you going to sell it? Did you sell it? Did you not sell it? Are you waiting to sell it? Do you lock in the game? So here's one chance of explaining risk versus reward. Risk is the uncertainty. It's the chance of loss. Reward is in a gain on investment. You kind of have to calculate it. How much risk do you want to take, downside protection, versus how much reward do you want to go for, upside gain? So the more risk you want to take, the more aggressive you want to be with stocks versus bonds. The more conservative, the more you would want to be bonds versus stocks. So you kind of get to fill out a, uh, a survey, which I, I, I'm not a big survey guy. I'm not saying I'm, I'm doubting them, but I, I find some flaws in if the market were to go down 10%, would that cause you to really want your money back or to demand your money back? Or are you cool with it? Those surveys just don't quite hit it all for me. They're there for a good reason. So that when there's a lawsuit because you yell at someone because the market went down, they go, but you told me you could take you know, a down market. And now you're saying you can't. And then, again, they said, no, 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 no. I fill out the forms that said, I can't take it down market. And you had me in the, in the market. Then, then uh, we just hung ourselves, right? So risk, obviously, venture capital, and usually speaking, stock options, hit the height of the pyramid of risk. It's at the tippy top. Then, once you get under that venture capital area, and the venture capital could be one of your friends saying, you know, look, I know a guy who is looking for $100,000 so he could start up his own Popeye's fried chicken. It could be venture capital, like you give your money to a, a, a VC who goes out and hangs out at Sand Hill and tries to have boy meet girl in the world of investments, venture capital. So below that level of risk, though, is, is probably real estate stocks, mutual funds, index funds, bonds. Keep in mind, real estate has a added component of risk when you don't buy it on the stock market. You can buy real estate on the stock market, and if you want 100 shares 
of office properties, you can get 100 shares of office properties. And you're done. And that's where the stock market kind of beats the mortgage market or the real estate market that's tied towards investments. You don't have that 30-year mortgage, that 15-year mortgage, or that 7-year balloon. And some people would say, exactly, you're using other people's money. Leverage on the way up is wonderful. Leverage on the way down is crushing. And then below, so far we've kind of hit two levels of, of risk and reward. Venture capital, very, very high on the pyramid of risk. Beneath that, you hit real estate, stocks, mutual funds, index funds, mutual bo- mini bonds, corporate bonds. And beneath that level, you hit treasury bonds. The U.S. Treasury, where you're like, like, like those E-series bonds that grandma had or something like that, war bonds, and you're like, yeah, exactly. Not that many people are buying treasury bonds until they're in their 50s or 60s. And again, that's kind of an overstatement by me. I'm, I'm just saying it's nice for the U.S. government to say, okay, if you give us money, we'll give you 2% back over the next 10 years or 2.8% back over the next 10 years. Each year for the next 10 years, you get 2.8% interest. That's not bad because you know the U.S. government has kind of had this history of paying you back. Now, if you're buying treasury bonds, your, your risks start not to necessarily become, do you get your principal back, but does your rate of interest that you get, the yield, is that keeping up with inflation? So even though the principal is at very low risk with the treasury bond, the rate of inflation could be the risk factor for you. You want your money to keep up with inflation, right? So now beneath the treasury bonds, the world of the risk pro- profile ladder, or in this case, pyramid, the base of risk, the safest areas to be are probably cash. Within reason, some Bitcoin enthusiasts are always cash is very cheap. Not looking for that. Um, a CD, certificate of deposit, which I know when I said CD, you're thinking compact disc, compact disc. Should I get a compact disc? Your bank savings account or your credit union saving account, both insured up to $100,000 plus. And not a big history of bank accounts, savings or checkings or credit union accounts. Not a big history of collapse in the United States where your money went bye-bye and you never saw it again. So... That's that's that. That's your risk to reward pro, uh, pyramid. So again, the more re- risky you want, the more reward you want. You kind of have to couple these things. I don't mind down markets. I've forever seen myself as twenty years old, and it's not realistic, right? But from an investor standpoint, that's great because I've been willing to expose myself to more long-term risk and long-term rewards where the risk on like stocks is probably a little bit higher in like a one-year period or a two-year period, but over a four, five, six, seven, eight, ten-year period, the reward's there, and you lower your risk profile. And again, I do see myself as younger than I actually really am, and that's, that's a good thing in the investment world. But to be realistic, as I'm getting older, I'm also saying, where's the exit at? What's my dollar amount? So risk versus reward. you got to see where you are where you want to get to. Uh, you do not want to be thinking about, you know, best investment ideas when you're 65, 70. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing more. Want the podcast with music? 
Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, 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 investing and more. Trying to make the complicated simple when it comes to financial ideas for you. Long-term care insurance. Why do you care? Well, I can tell you that my mom's been on long-term care for the last few years. It's work that I don't have to do or feel obligated to do as her son. Is that horrible of me to say? Probably is. Some cultures want mom and dad as they age to be in the home. As we all, you know, from the cradle to the grave, become the world needing people. We leave the world needing people. And that's what long-term care does. It helps people who have needs. For instance, do you want extended care? Do you want long-term care? Do you want in-home care? Home modifications as part of your insurance? Assisted living, which is kind of where my mother is at this point in time. We did the in-home care, step one. The home modifications were thought of as my mother aged, but she was very stubborn. My father passed away over 20 years ago. My mother was stubborn to change things. I think it's fair to say she loved one man her whole life. But when we did the in-home care and her mind started to slip, she started accusing the caregiver of stealing stuff from her. Very common, right? You see it in movies. That's what I mean by very common. If you've seen it in a movie, it's, it's become mainstream. But there's four or five ways of looking at long-term care. At some point in time, you're going to need help getting dressed, eating, bathing, tracking your medicines. So that's the pretty side of of long-term care and long-term care insurance. The dressing, eating, and bathing. These are activities of daily living, ADLs. You may start on the extreme side need, instead of dressing, people helping you with your continence. Adult diapers. Oof. Right? Or toileting. My mother, as she aged, she had a couple strokes. And, uh, you know, it, it was humbling as a kid. Or, you know, me as an adult, because as a kid, she took care of me. Watching a parent age is you want to do everything you can for them. And then it got to the point where I was like, I can't do any more. She wouldn't want me to do more, but I can help fund it and you know, I can help support other family members who are helping out. So there's a lot going on with long-term care. And long-term care insurance can help families because it reduces the financial burden. My mom is now in assisted living, kind of nursing home. Assisted living is is nice. It's got some dignity before you go to the nursing home and before you go to hospice. So long-term care insurance covers in-home care. That's great. Have a nurse come to the house and make sure your meds look good or have someone come and clean up a little bit. Home modifications so that when you do have a stroke and you slip and you break your hip or you're just too weak to get back up. Home modifications are smart. The old I've fallen and I can't get up. It happens. My mom uh, fell one day out of her bed, which 
Do you remember in the day? I don't. I don't understand. It seems like the bed's a little too high. And when you get older, you're balancing the greatest. And if you miss medication or you over medicate yourself, you're gonna fall and you're gonna break the stuff. So my mom was in a house that, you know, my brother David would call me and say she's going to eventually die in this house. So me, my brother David, and my sister Susan came up with a way to you know, get her into assisted living. After that, it's gonna be uglier. And assisted living's seventy thousand, seventy eighty thousand dollars a year. Sometimes it jumps up a little bit more as they have to do more nursing and, and doctor visits. But it's not pretty. So, in my opinion. But why do we care about long-term care insurance? Because it helps families. Like I said, reduce the financial burden of seventy, eighty thousand dollars 80000 a year. You can choose where you want to have your care, which gives you a lot of independence. If it's in-home care, home modifications, assistant living. And hopefully... You know, there's enough money and there's enough insurance out there to help fill gaps in long-term care. Long-term care is real. And one of the things I throw out there is I tend to think that long-term care is more of a woman's issue. And again, maybe that's the sexist Rob Black glaringly showing his flaws. That, you know, I've seen more men men die earlier and men tend to marry younger, Right. So my mom was doing a lot of the long-term care for my dad. My dad's long been warm food and not able to do long-term care for my mom, right? Now, he did work in the military, so he did give her, leave her some benefits tied towards long-term care. You know, in the military, you may have to fight for your country and you may have to die and you may have to do things like that, but they do tend to take pretty good care of their, their people with, with benefits. One area that a lot of people don't like talking about, and I can make it as simple as possible, is estate planning. And estate planning is one of those topics that if you have a house in the state of California, you should probably get a trust. So as to avoid probate for your heirs. Maybe you want to skip a trust if you don't have heirs, or you don't care about your heirs. But there's five simple things with estate planning. You need a trust. Or a will. That's two of the five. You need to understand the concept of probate, power of attorney, and the advanced health care directive. Picasso and Prince both died without a will. Who is the better genius between the two? Picasso or Prince? They both went by one name. You have to be considered somewhat of a master to be one-named, right? So a trust, probate, power of attorney... A will, advanced health care directive, all help provide for your family. If I die, I want my ashes spread here. If I'm hospitalized, I want to stay in a coma forever and ever. Or if I'm in a coma, you can pull life support after a week or a month or a year. You want to get a trust, a will, advanced health care directives, power of attorney, help plan for disabilities they're gonna happen the odds of you being disabled and missing time from work are way higher than the odds of you dying before 60 you could lower your expenses when you die by having a trust or a well where things can get challenged and things do get challenged and slow down in courts to make sure that you know your house wasn't tied towards something terrible or that you have your house that you didn't take it away from someone else the title's clean. 
And also, estate planning can keep a business running smoothly. If you know anyone who has a small business, setting up the right amount of life insurance and things along those lines, putting it in your trust, putting it in the will, so like one business partner can actually just die and his wife doesn't have to like sue the other partner for what was was value what should have been sold on an open market in a good market in a good economy in a bad economy. Those are things that you don't want, in my opinion. You want things a little bit more clear. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investing, and more. Trying to explain some of the ideas, investments, and cash, and insurance, so that you have a better idea of which you know, mistakes you're making. Like, if I were to put life insurance, this is an area where it upsets me. Because I, I tend to find that you as an individual trust other people. And sometimes to a fault. Um, you know, you went to college, you did your stuff, you have a job, you got married, you have a baby, and now you have to understand about life insurance in case you die and your spouse needs that income or your baby needs that money that you were going to earn over the next 20 to 30 years so that that baby can go to college. And it stinks because you would think that's it. It's not. It's more complicated from there. And what do I mean by that? It's something along the lines of there's whole life insurance. There's variable life insurance. There's term life insurance. And the truth is the one that you need is term. And you invest the rest. It's what I've done. Now, do you think I'm going to buy whole life or term life? Which one am I going to buy? The better product, right? I bought term life. It's low commissions to no commissions, and it covers the years where people need my income. Short-term, the spouse. Long-term, the kids. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. We can talk about anything you want to talk about. A lot of Americans think carrying credit card balances improves your credit scores, and it doesn't. You may want to rethink that. One in five credit card users or 43 million Americans carry a balance or pay the minimum, thus always owing money to your credit card company. They think it improves your credit score. You think it improves your credit score. Carrying a balance is not one of the factors that goes into creating a FICO score. Payment history, amounts owed, length of credit history, credit mix, new credit are some of the facets and the only facets that determine your credit score. Payment history, amount owed, length of credit history, credit mix, new credit. So a lot of Americans kind of flub that one. That's okay. I get it. You get it. We all get it. Um, let's talk Bitcoin for a second. Bitcoin was one of the stories that as 2017 ended, it was hot and sexy. And as 2018 played out its first half, Bitcoin wasn't, wasn't very exciting. So as an investor or as a listener, as someone who wants to maybe think about it or next time around get in before it pops, right? You got to say... You would have been pretty happy with the last three months of 2017, right? 
And he goes, yeah, you, I would have made a lot of money. How would you have felt if you had bought the first day of the year and then lost a lot of money or a lot of value? Bitcoin's interesting. It's a cryptocurrency. It's offered peer-to-peer. It's fast. It's anonymous. They're very low fees over time. Some people feel like, depending on which company you use to set up your account and trade your account, it can be pretty pricey. No bank account required. I don't know how I feel about that. As a guy who's not afraid of banks, like I, it's been a while since I've had that banks are bad kind of thought. Bitcoin is decentralized. And it's got global reach. So it's fast. It's anonymous. No bank account required. Decentralized and global reach. The downsides, in my opinion, it's not insured. It's not widely accepted in any way, shape, or form. But people think, give it time. The price is too damn volatile for me. I like consistency. Payments are irreversible. So there's some, it can get lost, fear to it. Bitcoin is not stored in a wallet, as in the leather wallet in your back pocket. It's stored in a Bitcoin wallet online. So that's the basics of Bitcoin, right? Its features are that it's fast and it's anonymous. Low fees. It could be a currency for a country where you have governments manipulating their currency or hurting their citizens. It's decentralized. It's got a global reach, but it's not insured. It's not widely accepted. So if you go that direction, you're, you're basically adding extra risk because it's not insured. It's not widely accepted. It's volatile. And it's irreversible. So if you lose it, you lose it. Which I'm sure there's going to be movies about someone losing a Bitcoin fortune, right? I'm not yet on to Bitcoin in large part because of uh, the, not the fear. I want to be careful how I say this. The, uh, the, a lot of... Let's just put it this way. You can't buy a Slurpee with it, but you can find a drug deal. So, I'm not naive. A robo-advisor. What is a robo-advisor? This is something I would have to explain to my father if he were alive, right? Oh, my stockbroker's coming to have lunch with me. Oh, and he always buys. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt, right? Back in that day and age. So, the robo-advisor versus a financial advisor... A robo-advisor, in theory, is going to be unbiased. Whereas a financial advisor is going to have the ability to give you customizable product. A robo-advisor will have low fees all the time. A financial advisor will be able to give you emotional support. Pick up the phone and say, hey, I see that you've been spending a lot on alcohol lately. Hey, I see that you've been spending a lot on vacations Hey, I see that your spouse just bought a fur coat. Is everything okay in the marriage? Emotional support. There's a big transition, like uh, Trump gets into office. What's it going to do to the economy? Robo-advisor can't help you on that one, but a financial advisor can. Robo-advisor is going to give you a lot of tax efficiencies. That's what they're set up for. A financial advisor is going to give you a lot more control. A robo-advisor is going to give you automation. Which, let's put it this way, I'm thrilled that when I was 18 years old, I had a mutual fund and 
I robo-advised it, kind of. I said, you know, take the money from my checking account. I sent them a copy of my check, signed, and wouldn't the void over it. So that's the nice thing about the robo-advisor. The, the automation gets you doing it. A financial advisor is not going to just do just investing. They're going to give you, like, a bigger picture on some of the other issues in your life. I think a robo-advisor is perfect for smaller portfolios. I think as you get older and your financial needs get more complex, I think you should really look at a financial advisor. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.